baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It's time to talk politics. It's Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome to Hardline. This is Kevin Hardwick. Got a, uh, a full day for you here. Uh, again, this is uh, Buffalo Bills' alternative pregame show. Joe Beamer uh, is, uh, is calmed down after last night's uh, Virginia Tech win. Uh, he's all pumped up, or he was all pumped up for that. Uh, one hour from now, live in studio, we will have Erie County Republican Chair Nick Langworthy uh, here to talk about the Collins uh, uh, race, uh, Collins-McMurray, New York 27, and all other things politics along to help me with the questioning will be Spectrum News uh, Capital Tonight correspondent Ryan Whalen. We open up the show, however, with uh, with a call-out to an old friend, Chris Malagisi. Chris is... Uh, uh, an Amherst boy. He's down in the D.C. area now. He's the editor-in-chief of the Conservative Book Club. Uh, Chris, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Kevin. How are you doing? Good. And, and, and more importantly, how is your A-team doing? And by that, I mean uh, those in your family whose name begin with A. <laughs> they're, they're doing great. I, I've got, he just, my son just turned four months old, and he's uh, he's curious. He's reaching for things. He's putting everything in his mouth that he possibly can, and uh, he's thirty inches long. Oh, it's it's a great time. Uh, you know, it's been a long time before I since I measured my kids. Uh, but uh, you know, so so the tricks he's doing is he rolling over yet? He's almost there. He's uh, almost there. All right. He, just a little push, and it, it, he rolls over. Well, enjoy it while it lasts. Listen, uh, uh, you are editor-in-chief uh, uh, of the Conservative Book Club. Website, by the way, is conservativebookclub.com, correct? Yes. Now, a uh, question I always had, and I don't know that I asked you before, is, uh, is uh, do you actually read all those books before you do those podcasts? Absolutely. You're kidding. No, no. You're, you're the kid in college who actually did the reading, aren't you? I <laughs> well, I try. I try to make sure I read the full book. Sometimes, you know, we, we get a lot of books that come across our desk, so I might be able to read, you know, a quarter, a third, or half the book. Um, depends if it keeps my interest, but I do try to read as my, as much as possible. Who have you uh, interviewed lately? What can you recommend to us? Well, I, I, right now, my favorite book is David Limbaugh's new book, uh, Jesus is Risen. Uh, David Limbaugh is the op-ed columnist, uh, syndicated columnist. His brother, obviously, is Rush Limbaugh. And he's written a four-book series, just a wonderful series, on the history of the early Christian church. And his book, this that just came out recently, was is really about how the early church was formed with Paul and the apostles and kind of literally... Uh, goes into Acts, into the New Testament of the Bible after Jesus ascends to heaven, and talks about how the early church was formed. And it's just a wonderful book. It's a wonderful interview. We have a podcast on our show and uh, where you can hear all the long-form interviews that we do with our authors. And um, I definitely would pick this one up for sure. Now, now, now that particular book, the Limbaugh book, does not go into current-day uh, politics, I take it? No, no, it's more faith-based focused. It's um, he writes from a layman's perspective. Um, 
And instead of a cleric, first, obviously he's not a priest or anything, but he's a lawyer, and he starts this journey, interestingly, a couple of years ago, where he was an agnostic. He devout agnostic and wrote a book called Jesus on Trial, where using his lawyer's skills, tried and he believes proves that Jesus was the Son of God, and kind of walks through the Bible of someone who may not may be intimidated by reading the full thing uh, to kind of explain certain parts to it and understand uh, certain metaphors and things like that. And, and this is the fourth book in a series. We're talking to Chris Malagisi. Chris is the editor-in-chief of the Conservative Book Club. Well, well, that's a, that's a book that doesn't include politics. You know, we're interested in politics on this show. So, so uh, give me some red meat. What uh, the, our, our, our listeners who are really interested in getting into it, what should they read? And who have you talked to? Absolutely. Well, Tucker Carlson, everybody, I'm sure. I, I saw that. I saw that you had interviewed him. Yeah, he's the number one book on the New York Times bestseller list and our own conservative book bestseller list. And his book is called Ship of Fools. And, you know, it's very interesting. It's not exactly what I thought it was going to be, but it basically tells the story of what happened in the 2016 election where not necessarily just the left, but the right to lead to um, kind of missed the boat when it came to the Trump election. And he kind of chronicles in the last two years leading up to the midterms just how some of our elites are just still haven't gotten and understand the Trump phenomenon and what's been happening. And he goes after left and right in the book. And it's definitely worth reading. I did read well, the whole book, that's for sure. Well, well, well. You know, you talk about the not only the left me, uh, missing the, uh, the the Trump election, but the right also. Uh, I was under the understanding. I saw someplace, or I heard someplace, that Fox News had an internal memo out on election day saying that they uh, thought that they would be in a position to call it for Hillary Clinton at ten o'clock. Uh, can you confirm that? I- I can't confirm nor deny. Nor deny. Okay, good, good, good line. So, uh, who else? Uh, who else should I be uh, be reading? Oh, the other great books that are out too. Jason Chaffetz. Uh, I'm sorry, Greg Greg Garrett, who's the Fox News legal analyst. I just interviewed for our podcast recently too. He's got a great book called The Russia Hoax. Um, and what's interesting about Greg Jarrett's book is that he's really the first, I think, to Tell the story of the Russia collusion tale from beginning to end. You know, Kevin, so every single night it's a drip, drip, something, something new, and it's kind of hard to, you know, put in focus just exactly where this started from and how we got to where we got to on this story. And if you really want to understand the story from beginning to end, I, Greg Jarrett's The Russia Hoax is a great book to, to, uh, to understand that. Now, I haven't, I haven't been on, I, I'll be honest, I haven't been on your website for, for some time, but I went on last night, and I see that you now have movie reviews on there. You're branching out? <laughs> are, are you going to start a competing website, you know, a conservativemovieclub.com? You know, we are. We're doing movie reviews, too. You know, people who like books tend to like movies, and there's not many newspapers out there that do a center-right perspective on movies. So, if, yeah, if anybody's interested, we're looking at the uh, the fall season and the Oscar-worthy movies. We're in the process of reviewing First Man that just came out this week and had a little controversy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the story about Neil Armstrong, and it was uh, the controversy came out a couple of weeks ago when someone saw a sneak preview and saw that they're missing an iconic scene where... Neil Armstrong has the flag on the moon, and they did not put that in the movie. And it was very curious, and it caused a big uproar. And I think it's uh, the sales are getting hurt because they're definitely below expectations. But 
yeah, we, we look at movies. I do an Oscar ballot, uh, Kevin. I, you know, I, I definitely want to <laughs> participate and, and we're, we're looking out for, we're looking out for folks, making sure that they pick uh, good movies that they like. Again, we're talking to Chris uh, Malagisi. Chris is an Amherst boy, now finds himself in the D.C. area. He's currently editor-in-chief of the Conservative Book Club. Listen, uh, um, Chris, you know, you're doing some other things, too, I see from your uh, your Twitter and your uh, Facebook uh, posts. Uh, you're doing some teaching for Leadership Institute? Yeah, for those who may not be familiar with the Leadership Institute, they're a national political training organization, and we're very proud of the fact I'm helping them put together the first of its kind. It's called the Conservative Podcasting School, and it's basically a, a soup to nuts how to put together a podcast. You know, today, Kevin, a lot of people, anybody can put a podcast together, but if you want to have a successful one, there's kind of some tips of the trade that you can get, and even if you can't come to Washington for the training, people can sign up. Uh, there's a live stream um, form that you can see it, just like the online class that you would take that you can participate. Mm-hmm. Just at leadershipinstitute.org, uh, but it's a it's a heck be a heck of a training if anybody so, out there is interested in podcast. So I'm sorry, is this a is this an online deal or do do people have to go down to the D.C. area? They can do both, uh, but it's it's I know it's last minute here because it's starting tomorrow night. But if people are interested, they can sign up now and they can get the live stream link and start watching tomorrow evening right from the comfort of their own home. And what did you say that website was? leadershipinstitute.org. So we got leadershipinstitute.org and we got conservativebookclub.com. Uh, let me have uh, let me ask you one final question. Um, uh, future guests, uh, who are you, uh, I mean, in, in, in your dreams, who do you hope to be talking to in the not-too-distant future for one of your podcasts that would be up on conservativebookclub.com? Uh, I'll tell you the next four people we have. We've, All right. We've got Brian Kilmeade, uh, Fox & Friends host, who has the paperback edition of his Andrew Jackson book coming out. We've got Sebastian Gorka's new book, Why We Fight. Uh, Dr. Gorka, who's been on Hannity, was in the Trump administration. We have Eric Metaxas, a radio host who wrote a children's book about Donald Trump called Donald and the Caveman. I'm, I'm not even kidding. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we've got uh, um, oh, the guy here. We've got um, uh, Tucker Carlson coming out, too. He's going to be uh, this, this upcoming Wednesday. So we've got all four of them coming up in the next two weeks. Well, hey, uh, we've got a text board here, and one of our texters says that they're reading Jesus on trial right now and loving it. So, uh, so apparently you've uh, you've you've hit a uh, hit a good vein there. Uh, but but really, who do you really want to get on? Well, I mean, I guess President Trump would be the. There you go. There you go. Any possibility of that happening? Uh, we're working on it. Okay. All right. Well, listen, uh, Chris, we have to take a break now, but thanks for taking time out of your Sunday morning for being with us. Hopefully we'll be talking to you before your son is walking. Uh, I appreciate it. And Kevin, you should come on the podcast too sometime. Oh, uh, well, I don't know about that, but thanks. Uh, thanks anyway, Chris. Uh, that was uh, Chris Malagisi, uh, Amherst boy. He's down in the Washington area now. He's uh, He's made good down there in conservative circles. He is the... Uh, editor-in-chief of the Conservative Book Club. The uh, Check out his podcast, conservativebookclub.com. We have to take a break now. When we come back, uh, uh, News 4 wake-up anchor Dave Graber will be on the phone. We'll be talking about his interview with Chris Collins and his interview with uh, Nate McMurray last week. In the meantime, I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Bom, 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 bom. We are war. Bom, 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 bom. 
Hey, Kevin Hardwick here, Hardline. Joe Beamer tells me that that's from Conway West. It's uh, it's something from Joe and Joe was a sophomore in high school. Uh, and those were great days for Joe, I'm sure. Not as good as today, though, Kevin, right? Not, not Virginia as... Tech wasn't first in the Coastal right. back then. Come on. Okay. All right. Anyway, anyway, uh, in about half an hour, 45 minutes in studio, we'll have Erie County Republican Chair Nick Langworthy. Ryan Whalen uh, from Spectrum News will be along to help me ask questions. Right now, however, we open up the live line to Dave Graber, the weekend uh, I'm sorry, the weekend, the uh, the wake-up anchor for Channel 4. Uh, Dave, welcome to the program. How you doing? I'm well, Kevin. Good morning. How are you? Good. Listen, hey, you know, we had uh, Chris Horvaditz, uh, one of your colleagues from Channel 4 here last week, and he did a great job. He's vying for your spot in the rotation. I'm just giving you the heads up on that. I'll make sure to be on my A game today <laughs> and in future appearances. Well, speaking of your A game, you got another nice interview with uh, Chris Collins recently, and it was uh, it, it, it seemed like it got a little bit testy there, did it? I, I have to say, uh, Chris knows that I'm going to go after him with those questions. Um, he expected it. Um, I've been calling his press staff, you know, just almost every day, talking to them. Where's he going to be? Is he going to have a couple minutes? You know, there are questions that are left out there that remain unanswered from my original exclusive on September 7th. And I was really trying to get um, an opportunity to, to ask those questions. Why did you tell me uh, one thing on September 7th, namely that you would cooperate with the GOP, that you would be done on December 31st, and then literally 10 days later completely uh, do an about-face? So um, I got the opportunity to do that uh, last week, and, uh, and I was appreciative. No, I don't think well, it's not I, I, I was Well, well hey, hang on. He argued with you whether that's indeed what he told you. That's exactly right. I, I, and, and then you went back and you showed a clip of what he did tell you. Correct. So I, I was just getting ready to say that the most perhaps contentious, if you want to even use the word contentious, point of the interview was when he said, no, I never said that my last day would be December 31st. Mm-hmm. I was honestly shocked because he was sitting across from me when the tenor of that September 7th interview changed. And I went from oh, we're talking about your criminal case to what's the future of you, and then you telling me, regardless of what happens, I'm done here. I will walk out of Washington. I'm off Capitol Hill on December 31st. The entire tenor of that interview changed um, on September 7th when he told me that. So, uh, yes, I said, how to grab the video right now. But you know. Yeah. How did, uh, how did uh, he appear to you? I mean, did he... You know, he didn't he, he didn't look quite right on, on camera. I don't know if he lost weight. I don't know what it was, but he just there was something about it that wasn't the same Chris Collins that I'm I'm used to. Did you pick up on any of that? You know, I, I we we have one of our amazing photographers at Channel Four and, and Josh Roy uh lit and shot that interview. I thought he did a great job. His shot looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not notice anything certainly being there in person with him. Um, any difference? Uh, you know, I've known Chris for a number of years, and I've sat down with him one-on-one. I've, I've been with him in press gaggles and things like that. He seemed to have the same sort of affect and approach. Um, again, I was surprised when he said he didn't say yeah. things. Um, but overall, no, I, I didn't notice. He didn't look like he was haggard or tired or anything like that. No, I now, now, you followed up on that with an interview with his opponent, Democrat Nate McMurray. Um, how would you characterize that interview? Um, you know, I, I have to say, and I told Nate uh, this, 
um, when I interviewed him on Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Uh, I, I, I think Nate gets better um, each time he, he gets out there. You can tell that he has been out on the campaign trail um, and he has practiced the things that he is supposed to say, the things that he believes in. Um, he has become, I think, a lot more refined in terms of his, uh, his interview and his answers. Uh, you know, is, he, is he more confident? I believe he's absolutely more confident. Now, whether that is sort of bravado or whether it's actual confidence, I think it's kind of a, a, a mix of both. He is emboldened, I think, by the way that this campaign has gone. You know, he has his polls, national polls, um, that are giving him confidence. And I think so. That I, I believe that it's really that is a realistic confidence that he brings. Got, got about uh, 90 seconds left with Dave Graber of uh, Channel 4. Dave, how would you uh, assess the uh, the state of the race right now? I mean, you get out there, you talk to people in the various counties, uh, you talk to politicians on both sides. Where do you think this is going to end up? I think anyone suspected, particularly when this thing started, even after August, the indictment was announced that it would be closed as it, but, um, you know, doesn't lose this it will not be for a lack of trying. That guy is putting forth an incredible amount of energy and time, time away for family, uh, time on the campaign, and kissing, so on and so forth. You would not expect the outcome to be as close right now. I think, like real close politics, like the cook, um, things are starting to, to, to shift and have been shifted in the way of, of Nate McMurray for maybe a couple of weeks now, and it is going to be a mad dash for these next 22, 23 days. Um, there is nothing better than this. You know my affinity. <laughs> I love politics. There's nothing better than when these races get heated like they are. And, um, and, and, and you'll be there to cover it for Channel 4. And it, uh, it, it, no, nothing, nothing like a good race. Dave, thank you for taking time out of your morning to be with us. Happy to do it, Kevin. Okay, that was Dave Graber at Channel 4. When we come back, uh, we'll be talking uh, uh, salary uh, raises for elected officials in Erie County. Uh, in the meantime, I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. All right, welcome back to Hardline. This is Kevin Hardwick. One half hour from now in studio live will be Nick Langworthy, the Erie County Republican chair. Long for the ride will be... Um, Ryan Whalen of Spectrum News. Anyway, right now I want to welcome into the uh, uh, studio uh, two members of the Erie County Salary Review Commission, its chair, Lori Buonanno, and uh, one of its members, Chris Stone. Welcome to the welcome to the program. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, uh, Lori, perhaps you could give us a little background and tell us, uh, just for our listeners, what the Charter Review Commission is. Uh, uh, Not the Charter Revision, the Salary Review Commission is. I mean, it's mandated by the Charter. I guess that's where I was going. Well, every three years we're impaneled and we have to produce a report every two years. And the county executive makes the decision to impanel. And then the nine members are appointed by different elected officials. And this is this is required, Chris, for uh, raises for the county elected officials. We're talking the the countywide elected, the sheriff, the controller, the clerk, the county executive, as well as county legislators. We're not talking about the the rank and file, the CSEA employees, or anything like this. It's just the elected officials. That is correct. And and what. Um, what does the commission do? I mean, how much, uh, you, you guys are volunteers, Chris. How much time did you put into this? I, I didn't really actually clock the hours, but besides the meetings, I spent several hours, uh, a couple, two, two, three nights a week uh, working on 
uh, researching information for the. Yeah, I, I have to say I was impressed with the amount of, of uh, research that went into it. Um, uh, Lori, why don't you tell us a little bit about that because you're more of a numbers person also. How many, you, you know, who, who did the research and, and what sort of data did you collect? Well, a lot of the commissioners did the research. Chris ran several analyses himself. And so we met six times, so that's a little over six hours, the commission itself, which is the same amount of time that the previous commission met six times. And uh, so we, uh, we had a lot of help from the county. Some of the data we had to collect ourselves. Chris did a lot see through New York, which is, you know, a great mm -hmm. site. Yes. And um, the county, the budget office provided us with some data, particularly data from other counties. So uh, actually several of us, how we ran this commission is a uh, commissioner would come up with an idea for an analysis. We'd say, okay, run with it, come back to the next meeting, give us the spreadsheets and let us see. Now, now we should note that your recommendations are just advisory in nature. And the county legislature now, after the commission completes its work, can do whatever it darn well pleases. That may be reject your recommendations completely, which is what happened a few years ago. I was on the legislature and we voted all the recommendations down. Uh, or uh, they can accept them as is, or they can pick and choose and even change the recommendations and say, no, we think this person deserves to be paid more per than, than that person. It should also be noted that the recommendations, the if, if adopted, would not go into effect until after the next election. So you're not really budgeting for Mickey Kearns or Mark Polencars or Stefan Mahailu. It's whoever wins the next election. And that's that. an important point. Yeah, that's, certainly. Because that's the change. That's an important change to the county charter. Yeah. So it's not like you're you're talking about the present occupants unless they get reelected. Now, Correct. What, what, what were your, based on your analysis, what were the recommendations you came up with? Chris? Well, uh, the, the several different analyses that we used... Uh, what we came down to was median household income and uh, median real estate values for the counties mm -hmm. uh, to come up with the balance uh, on where we should be. And that was probably the most conservative approach that we, we found. We tried looking at uh, consumer price index for inflation, mm -hmm. which put those numbers extremely high. We also uh, looked at just similar sized counties, but we found most of those counties of similar size to Erie County are downstate. And so they're tied to a New York City type of income. And, and so their salaries trend high. That, that is correct. And you wouldn't want to pay our county executive as much as the Nassau County executive. <laughs> right. Well, uh, Westchester and Suffolk seem to be the big ones, but yes. Now, what your, your recommendations, and again, uh, I, I believe that the last time salaries were raised uh, 22 years ago, and no one likes to talk about raising the salaries of politicians, uh, but a couple of the cases, you said we aren't going to raise them, or you, we should they shouldn't be raised, right? No, the, because the county clerk and the county legislature. That that's that's correct because there's um, if 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 you're going to stick to the rationale based on median family income and median real estate value, then those counties that are left after we throw those eight high counties out. The clerk is right there. The, our clerk is paid more than the average, so and our county legislators are as well. So, so you're saying that the county legislatures 
and legislators and the clerk are, are fine, even though it's been 22 years. And, and looking at that, at least from a legislator standpoint, looking at the salary mm-hmm. that I get as a county legislator, I cannot imagine how they got that through 22 years ago. You know, it had to be an obscene salary 22 years ago. And it's only now getting where it's, you know, where it's kind of, yeah, OK, maybe it makes sense now. But that's after 22 years of inflation. And originally looking at the numbers, I thought, my gosh, they do need a raise. But then when we did the, the crunch of the numbers across the state, uh, didn't support it. They're yeah, four yeah you'd, you'd, you'd think county legislators haven't had a raise in 22 years. Geez, they certainly deserve one. But then you look at the numbers and you say, wow, uh, it's not so much that they deserve one now. They didn't deserve what they got back the then. The citizens were asleep at the wheel they, in 1996. They, they, well, that, that, it's like Bell City, California. Yeah. Now let's let's talk about the other extreme. Uh, and, and for me, as I look at your recommendations, I would agree the county clerk, county legislature are, are fine, probably. Uh, you know, legislator more than clerk. Sure. Do not need a raise. There's no way we're going to vote for that raise, or I'm going to vote for that raise. On the other hand, you got the other extreme. You got the sheriff. The current salary is what seventy nine. Yes, and we're recommending eighty nine three four three. Yeah, um, talk to me about the, the the sheriff. It seems to me that's the poster child. I, I mean, if you're if you're going to make the case that someone in county government deserves a raise, given the responsibilities, given everything else, and they haven't had one in twenty two years, you would start with the sheriff, wouldn't you? Most certainly, I delved into a lot of different uh, information on the sheriffs sheriffs across New York State, as well as uh, police chiefs within Erie County, looking at the top 10 popul- most populous uh, towns and the three cities within Erie County. So, so a lot of the police chiefs locally make more than the sheriff? Every single one, at least in the top 13, make more. Uh, the least... Uh, the lowest, mm-hmm. I think, is the city of Tonawanda, mm-hmm. and that's over a hundred thousand. Yeah, wow. And Orchard. And Park even so, you're there. only recommending up to eighty-nine thousand. Well, if if anything, quite frankly, that seems to me to be you know it cer- certainly seems to be reasonable, but it may even be on the low side. Were you were you kind of gun shy in this, saying well, saying, well, you know, the county legislature rejected it last time, and they they've been rejecting it for twenty-two years. You know, we better go go easy. Well, um, maybe some commissioners felt that way, but uh, in the end, we agreed that we came up with a rubric, and we were going to stick with that rubric. Mm-hmm. Rubric, and as one commissioner expressed, we've moved the needle a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it was a compromise. Of some commissioners came in looking at internal equity. Let's let's talk about the other two positions: county controller and what mm-hmm. your recommendation is there, and county executive. What, what were you recommending for control? What, what is a controller now? What's it going? What would you like yeah. to see it go? Well, through? the controller now is 8613, and we're recommending 94037 based on the analysis. When you say 8613, it's 80,613, yeah, 80, not 86,000. Yeah, 80,613 80, is the current salary. So, so it's quite a hike to 94,000. Yeah, you, you know, as I look at it, one of the things that, that impresses me, I'm not sure that. The controller should be making more than the sheriff. I mean, they do now, and with your recommendation, they would. If I were to, you know, move anything around, it might be it might be that. Well, Kevin, here's the problem: there aren't many comptrollers. You only not, see it in yeah. counties with char- charter counties. Mm-hmm. Erie County, since 1960, has been a county charter um, at Charter County, and and the problem is is that they're treasurers. Yeah, all the counties have uh, most of them have elected treasurers, we're, but they're not watchdogs. Yeah. They're treasurers. So how do you do that? So yeah, this so, is so part of it's art, part of it's science, and I think the legislators. And before we go to break, mm-hmm. the county executive salary is currently. We are at uh, one one hundred three. One hundred three, and you're recommending. 
118 Okay. Well, listen, we have to take a break now. When we return, Lori and Chris from the Charter I'm sorry, the Salary Review Commission will be uh, still in studio for another few minutes. Uh, We take your calls on uh, raises for these elected officials. They haven't had them in 22 years. Do you think they deserve them? Uh, Do you think the sheriff deserves a raise? Uh, Currently making 79, less than police chiefs uh, all over Erie County. Uh, has the uh, the, uh, the the uh, holding center, has the, uh, the correctional facility, has the road patrols. Does uh, the sheriff, the position of sheriff, not the current sheriff, but the position of sheriff deserve a raise? Give us a call if you'd like to weigh in. 803-0930 is the number. 803-0930. I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. And welcome back. Kevin Hardwick here. One more, uh, about five, six more minutes with uh, members of the Salary Review Commission for Erie County, Lori Bonanno, the chair, and member Chris Stone. Uh, hey, uh, there. before anything happens, there will have to be a public hearing. So, you know, so the public will get a chance to weigh in on your recommendations for raises for elected officials. Uh, but we're kind of having a little mini public hearing here this morning, at least in the next few minutes. And when the first speaker is uh, at the, our public hearing is Steve in Lancaster, who's called in. Steve, welcome to the program. Thank you for holding. Uh, good morning. Thank you. You're welcome. One of the questions I have is, uh, on the outside, it, it appears uh, the Erie County Sheriff is getting probably a lower wage for the amount of responsibility. However, thinking a little bit beyond that, um, I recall when municipal workers were paid a lower wage and, uh, than the private sector, but in turn, they got a better benefit package, mm-hmm. which they worked for. My question would be, what is the total benefit package for the sheriff position outside of just the uh, the wage, which could be a pretty high compensation, you know, uh, regardless of what the wage is? Cer- certainly, certainly. Uh, Lori, Chris, Chris, you want to handle that? Chris? I believe the sheriff falls under the uh, New York State Pension Fund. Sure. And so that would be uh, earmarked to uh, income. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the more he makes, the higher his pension is going to be, sure. so and the more years. It's a factor of years served and your final average salary, which is your top three years. So the legacy cost for the sheriff would be extremely low, I would think, compared to, especially if you look at internal equity with the, the undersheriff and several administrative uh, uh, subordinates to the sheriff. But, but Steve, it's going to be, um, you know, you're right. The benefits for public employees are uh, are generally better than those of us in the private sector. I know I look at my Canisius College uh, uh, benefits versus my wife is a Buffalo school teacher and her benefit package is certainly better than better than the one I have in the private sector. Uh, however, you know if uh, if you compare the Erie County Sheriff to other sheriffs and other police chiefs, those other sheriffs and those other police chiefs are going to be getting the similar benefit packages because they're in the public sector also. And they're going to be getting state retirement. They're going to be getting the, the, uh, the uh, uh, health care and, and, and everything else. Um, the other thing that needs to be noted, and I don't know if uh, Chris or Lori have any information on this, is many of the people within the sheriff's department actually make a lot more than the sheriff himself. Yes, uh, the internal equity, as we spoke of before, with the the under sheriff as well as uh, administrative department heads, uh, some of them are making one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars, so uh, roughly twice as much as the county sheriff, and they report to the county sheriff. 
Steve, you, you, you do bring up some issues. Um, do you have anything else you want to put on the table in our, our uh, pre-public hearing here? Well, no, that all pretty much makes sense. I, uh, I believe uh, the sheriff is probably in a, a position where he's not offered the same amount of overtime to, to get the, the amount of um, compensation up to $100,000, $150,000 a year that the uh, you know, patrol would begin mm-hmm. outside of him. So I, I think that's one of the reasons that they are earning more than he does. He's not on that. He's not eligible for it. Yeah, but if you look at nearby time. counties, Monroe County, the sheriff is making 123000 Monroe County, which is Rochester. Yes, and Genesee County, Batavia, 102000 wait, wait, wait a minute, Genesee... County Batavia is one hundred two thousand. Genesee County is one hundred two thousand. And ours is seventy nine. And you only want to bring and them up to eighty nine. Wayne County and, and is one hundred fourteen thousand. One hundred fourteen thousand. And we've got you know we've got the holding center. We got the correctional facility. We've got road patrols. Well, the legislature um, can vote higher if they want to. But it oh, has to now be you're looking majority. at me. You're throwing it back at me. Well, we'll see what we do. We have a ways to go before we vote these, but but certainly we we appreciate these recommendations. And and Steve, we appreciate you calling in. So thank you for listening and thank you for calling. That was Steve in Lancaster. I don't think we're going to have time to get to any more calls. We only got about a minute and a half left. Let me throw one more uh, more question at uh, at Lori and Chris, uh, members of the uh, Salary Review Commission. Um, how how has your uh, how have your recommendations been received by uh, members of the public who you might uh, you know who might come up to you or by uh, other uh, officials elected or other people in government in general have they said that's reasonable have they said it'll never pass that's obscene with the general public you find that uh, the mention of raises for elected politicians elected officials is met with revulsion until you explain that it's been 22 years. And then you also explain what their current salaries are versus uh, the, just the county sheriff again, for example, versus the Lancaster police chief at 138000 mm-hmm. with uh, 43 police officers reporting to that police chief. Lori, we got about 10 or 15 seconds. You, uh, same, uh, same assessment? I find assessment? the same thing. But, but this, 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 co- this commission, it's a little different because the media have posted our report. So it's all over the web. And, and, and if people want to find it, they can go on the Erie County website. That is well, listen, I well. want to thank you both for your service. You're both volunteers, and thank you for coming in this morning, uh, Thanks, Lori, and, Lori and Chris. Listen, uh, when we come back, uh, we'll have uh, Erie County Republican Chair uh, Nick Langworthy right here live in studio. In the meantime, I'm Kevin Hardwick. You're listening to Hardline on News Radio 930 WBEN. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 